Three, two, one, podcast. We're recording. Okay. <laughs> oh man. Um, sorry. <laughs> privacy labels. You know the thing that we all had to fill out a questionnaire mm. and talk about all of our privacy things and all the tracking identifiers and everything we're doing. Mm. That is now in the App Store. Yay. Have either of you had a look at that on the either iOS or macOS App Store? Yeah, pretty. Uh, yeah, yeah. I looked at it. Uh, I looked at. Our app. I looked at uh, there are many people sharing them on Twitter as well. So mm. it's it's hard to miss these at the moment. Uh, I saw the Facebook one. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> it seems to be a point of pride know. to have a short one at the moment, which is kind of cool. Yeah, which I I see, but uh, I'm actually conflicted. I, I do feel like there are things missing. Mm. Like I I like it as an, like I like it in theory. But it would be great to see like what they're using it for and see a bit more detail about it. See, I agree. I feel like this list at the moment doesn't tell me anything. Mm. Like I do think it's great. Like it definitely encourages tracking less and at the very least, um, kind of forces or in theory forces people to to look into the services they're using. Right? Even if even if this would only help developers to be like, all right, I use Firebase. How bad can it be? And then you see the list of things mm-hmm. you have to tick on. Maybe that encourages people to think about what they're actually doing with their apps. So I do think it's good from that side. But I think from a consumer side, I don't see a lot of value in this. Um, because it's kind of weird, right? I don't know. If you look at the Facebook one, right, as an extreme example of everything is mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's probably what they've done, right? I, I think they just said, uh, check oh, you all think that's what on. they did? You don't think it... Do you think that was something Facebook intentionally checked or do you think that was checked automatically for them no if you didn't submit the questionnaire it would say um no no information available developer has to submit mm-hmm. it with the next update or something okay. like that so you think as uh, um, facebook just submitted and i mean they wouldn't just mark things just for the sake of it they would probably i mean i don't know i don't know there, there are multiple angles to this right so so just as a one step back, what this is, is everyone should fill out a whole bunch of questions, right? So Apple mm-hmm. asks, hey, what kind of things are you tracking? Uh, contact info, identifiers, and, and uh, personal information, and those kind of things. And you have to answer what, if you use any of them, what you're using them for. So do you use them for the app functionality? Do you use them for marketing? Do you use them for kind of tracking across multiple things and, and, and all of those? Um, what Facebook seemed to have done is just check everything. Uh, it is ex- an extremely long list that says we everything has been collected at all times for any purpose, but it doesn't say that. So if you if you go to the Facebook, and I'm sure there are others as well, Facebook is just a good example because I, I kind of seen it a lot on Twitter. And then they have the categories: data used to track you, and then they have like a whole bunch of things collect uh, selected, data linked to you. Then there's a very long list of things. Then developers advertising or marketing. Then there's a very long list. Analytics. Then there's a very long list. Uh, product personalization, then there's a very long list. App functionality, then there's a very long list. Other purposes, then there's a very long list. The problem with this is that I feel like if you check everything, it almost makes it go away in a way. Because it's, I it's, don't know. I it, mean, it's so much now that you feel like you, you don't actually... I, as someone who should know more about tech than average... I do not know what this means. You know, it's like... Okay, but it's Facebook. not that you don't know what it means, but you see this wall of stuff that they're tracking and that might be discouraging. But to me, it feels a bit like if you have those kind of terms and conditions that sometimes you have in the beginning of like some service, right? There's a button that says terms, you, you agree to terms and conditions. 
And realistically, no one's reading that because like there's a wall of text that people just, mm -hmm. you know, have to put there and everyone's just saying agree. But I think it's different if every service, if every app on the App Store would have what Facebook has, then people would be ignoring it. But I think the fact that Facebook has a lot more than any other, like most other apps might make it stick out more. I don't know. To me, it just feels like the way it's being displayed doesn't really give me the sense of how much they're collecting for some reason. It just doesn't feel like, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd almost prefer if, if it would be condensed more and saying, look, mm -hmm. those are kind of the, like almost a waiting where it's like, look, if, if they're sending health data to advertisers, that might be higher mm -hmm. weighted than mm -hmm. them also collecting whatever other data mm -hmm. is for mm -hmm. other purposes, right? It yeah. just doesn't have, it doesn't have a hierarchy or kind of... Yeah, it's hard to see in this, in a list of like so many things to see what shouldn't be there. Because like if you have a social network uh, or anything that requires user information, like it's it, it makes sense that they have things like user identifiers and contact information because that's parts of your profile. So that's not weird. So it would be great if there's an easier way of like highlighting what um but i think the idea of that is that uh, they still have like the higher level and then if you drill into them then you can see i'm just gonna double check what it looks like yeah because if you go to, to like what do you have for facebook in particular is you have two categories right you have two cards essentially data used to track you and data linked to you if you go to the data used to track you and you want to see details the first thing you're seeing is data used to track you other data with a with a subtitle of other data types it's like that is completely yeah. useless mm -hmm. like what does this even do why is this the very first thing why isn't this at some you know for me and for people that might know less about technology this needs to be presented yeah. in a more condensed form yeah that kind of highlights what's happening rather yeah. than having just a table view with a whole bunch of icons mm -hmm. to me i i think this is not the best way to present this to mm -hmm. people who might not be aware of yeah. the but, tracking uh, implications software can have. Yeah. But what I do like is that it does still have this higher level. So first it says the data linked mm -hmm. to you, and then it has health and fitness, financial information, contact information. Contact information is like, okay, okay cool, mm -hmm. that makes sense. But I'm not really sure why Facebook has my financial information. Like I never mm. would add but a credit card. But you can buy stuff yeah, through there, right? It's like Facebook does so much... Yeah, yeah. But that's like one that sticks out, I guess. So like, that's one that I'm more interested in. And the fact that they are like this higher level list makes it a bit easier for me to see what's there that I think is a bit like that I wouldn't expect. And then you can tap into it and then you can see a bit more detail. So like financial information is saying, uh, it just says like other financial information. <laughs> yeah, see, there's um, there's so a like, lot of like... I like it in theory that it has this like high level card where you see mm -hmm. everything and then you tap in and then you're like, oh, what are they tracking? And then like uh, contacts. Oh, it says contacts. It's like, cool. Uh, that doesn't really help me. So yeah, I agree with you that like the execution could have been better in that like the drill in functionality would give you a bit more information and even say like, for example, if they like use your personal information, if that is specifically for like providing better market, better, um, like providing better posts for you or providing more relevant data for you, like that would be info interesting if they are like specifically having like a free from text where they write what they use it for. Yeah. But that's a lot of work for the developers. I see why they sort of settled for this to have like a consistency across everything. Yeah, but I think if I'm now seeing data linked to you, then there's a there's a title, uh, you know, there's this description. This, the following data, which may be collected and linked to your identity, may be used for the following purposes. 
And one of them then is like a subheadline that's saying third-party advertisement, purchases and purchase history. It's just, mm. you, you know, it, it feels hard to, to me, I feel like it's hard to parse what mm. this means because it's so much and so... But I think, so like, we all agree that this is almost useless in the context of Facebook, right? Like, no one's looking through this list and going, right, I'm, I'm happy with everything here except mm -hmm. all my contacts. I really don't like that they get my contacts, so I'm not going to use Facebook. That's that one thing. Like, no one's doing that. But I wonder, and I'm just thinking out loud here, if it would almost be better to give more of a rating to each app. Mm. So, you could set, mm -hmm. you could do something like... um you know, good, neutral, bad, and, you know, this app collects more than your average social network app. And look at other apps mm -hmm. in the category. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, most social network apps are going to have access to your contacts and your personal, like, na like your name and your phone number and all those kind of things because they need them for contact search, and that's quite common. But then let's mm -hmm. say you're a social network app that then – I'm just looking at the Facebook list also does things like financial info. It might not, I don't know, but it might not be very common for social network apps to have financial info. So then that's highlighted and that's mm -hmm. maybe flagged and it is a, a markdown in the, in the good, bad category type thing. Mm -hmm. And so that the a privacy label could sort of just give you an at a glance, you know, green, orange, red. Is this mm -hmm. app? Uh, good is it you know pretty respectful of your privacy is it about on par with every other app in this category mm. or is it bad in ca facebook's case you imagine it's probably one of the worst uh, and that would be I, I like that in theory but the problem with that is like if apple would highlight these are the ones you should pay attention to you might miss things that you actually care about and this sure, is just to sure. draw another um similarity in australia um met a lot of packaged food has a health label mm. on it and it says a health rating a star from one to five uh, Five is really healthy one, and I like it in theory. But if you are on like a low carb, high fat diet, everything with fat in it is gonna say that it's really unhealthy yeah. for you. But depending on your diet, that might be actually exactly what you want. Yeah. So like, I like it in theory, but I think the reality is a lot more complicated. Yeah, it would so be like, hard, and it would get a lot of things wrong. Like there might be mm -hmm. genuine reasons why a particular social network app needed access to your credit card, and mm -hmm. it might be flagged as as bad straight away. And there's mm -hmm. no way, no easy way to rectify that. I'm not saying it's perfect, but yeah, just that kind of this wall is almost useless when there's so mm -hmm. much data. Um, but, I do agree. Yeah, yeah, but having some kind of indication, like the, and like you said, like the health star thing. There's a lot of problems with it, but. At I a glance, like it does the job, but it's mm. there's a lot of, uh, you know, particular products that you should probably look at. Like, I think, for example, like a lot of juices and stuff are rated five yeah. and juices yeah. aren't particularly healthy. They're loaded with yeah. sugar um, in mm -hmm. moderation. They're fine. But you, you would look at that and go, oh, it's healthy. I'm going to have three juices a day. And that's yeah. probably yeah. not a great idea. So, you know, you kind of need to be informed. And and just like this, if if it said an app was bad and then you went in and looked at it and you're like, actually, I'm okay with that stuff, you need to make that informed decision. Mm -hmm. It's not just a look at this label and, and forget about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But it's also, I do think there's a difference between, for example, like for our app, right? We, we, we're collecting two things, essentially, that well, that were part of Apple's list, which is contact info and identifiers. Like, realistically, any app that has any kind of account creation will have a user ID. I don't think collecting a user ID that's, in our case, a random ID, has any kind of danger to it, right? But it looks like a point that's mm -hmm. on the same level as all the other points. And I think that's weird, right? I, I, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't want anyone to be concerned that we assign a random user ID to an account you create. Mm -hmm. Why is that something someone needs to be aware of if that's used for app functionality, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If you use that for cross-platform advertisement, then maybe that's a thing. Mm -hmm. But 
I think right now it's hard to discern those. So for me, mm -hmm. what I would like this to focus on more is things that are hidden to the user, mm -hmm. but potentially something they didn't know about. Because realistically, true. I've like never talked to anyone who's like, I create an account and they would be surprised that that means you have an account. You're, mm -hmm. You know, if the button says a create account, you kind of expect it to yeah. create an account. It's not It's not hidden. It's not something people wouldn't understand. Mm. And But the same if, with contacts, right? If you get a prompt to give Facebook access to all of your contacts, that's, a, that's an action you're aware of. Yeah, and that happens when it happens. But the important thing is, are those contacts sold exactly yeah. for for advertisement which you might not know right mm -hmm. as a naive person like not not naive person but as someone who <laughs> na naively uses facebook they'll you know facebook will tell you hey do you want to give us access to your contacts so we can find your friends you're like hey that sounds nice mm -hmm. i want to find my friends that's why i signed up for. but mm -hmm. if if that data would then also be sold uh, used to sell all your friends on all the other products that they might you know fit in that might be a very different story. And I think those are the things that should be highlighted more. Mm -hmm. This is data that Facebook collects, or anyone really, not Facebook in particular, but anyone collects about you for the purpose of then selling it to third mm -hmm. parties. I think those are by, by far the ones that the, the least amount of non-tech people are aware of mm -hmm. and the ones that are the hardest to verify if you're not working at that company, right? Realistically, unless... That would be part of the questionnaire, and it would be pointed out. We wouldn't know all the things that an app does unless mm -hmm. we do very extensive research and disassembling the code or or sniffing the network traffic and looking what's happening. So to me, those are very clearly the things I would want to mm -hmm. point out. I don't care if an app, a contact app, has access to contact information that they then don't really you know, mm -hmm. that they only use for, for the, the purpose of a contact yeah. app. But that's kind you of know, what that, I mean that, about flagging mm -hmm. if something is, is too different from mm -hmm. an app in the category. For example, you would expect most travel-based apps uh, like public transport, but also maybe holiday booking sites to have access to location. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, like yeah. that's not something that you really would be too sus about if you open mm. like booking.com and it's like, Hey, can I have your location so I can find mm. holiday places near you? Mm. Um, but you know, if suddenly an app that doesn't necessarily or doesn't typically have access to location, I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head, but I don't really know. A lot of apps have access to location these days, mm. but if something that doesn't normally have access to location suddenly did, maybe like a game, maybe if a game asks mm -hmm. for access to location, that might be more uncommon and that might be mm -hmm. worth mm -hmm. highlighting maybe at the top of the list or in mm -hmm. a separate section or something like that. Yeah. Um, no, I do like that. Yeah. It could also be good if you, like you could maybe even have it at different tiers. Like yeah. one is like, deep like basic information and the one that's like a bit more i don't know how you would describe it yeah, it'd be really hard to pull but, off but i yeah 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 it's, but i, I think okay. like in theory i like the sort of levels that they have already yeah. but i think it can be a bit better sorted there and a bit like easier for you to skim it yeah um so like, I, I think, think they're going in the example, right direction. A better example is if you look at weather, right? Weather apps have location data mm -hmm. and often you would think sure i, I move around i want to know it the weather information about where I am. Mm -hmm. But it turns out a lot of weather apps actually use that very mm -hmm. uh, precise location access to then use that for, for advertisement selling selling your location data. I would like to know the difference between the two and those should be pointed out, right? Mm -hmm. Weatherline, as a mm -hmm. random example of a good weather app, they are not collecting that data. They're not selling your information based on what they're 
they're saying on on Twitter and based on the, the label. Mm-hmm. But there are other weather apps, even some some pretty big ones that you might find on the App Store, where it's explicitly now saying this weather app uses your location both for functionality as well as selling to third party advertisers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know that to me is an is an important part, right? And that's okay. It does say right. You, yeah, it does okay. say that, but that is just now also hidden in that. <laughs> But random other stuff. Yeah. In and this case, an app w- like Weatherline doesn't actually have to disclose your lo- that they're using your location in exactly. that privacy prompt, and they don't. Uh, and neither does Petty. And Petty uses your location, but mm. it's never it never leaves the device. Um, it's it's always mm. sort of on your device. It sort of pulls in some data from the server and mm. it does the processing locally. I don't you know transmit that anywhere. It doesn't mm. go off to some third party API anymore. Um, so it's it's for all intents and purposes not used for any kind of tracking or identification so i don't mm. need to declare it i could optionally declare it that's part of the form but it's not mandated that it's declared and that might be you know you could pick a weather app that doesn't actually have location listed in your app privacy because you know that they're mm. either not letting it leave the device or it's only going to the server used to process your request and come straight back mm. and not saved for analytics purposes yeah but it's just to me it's those are the things that I would want to highlight, right? Mm-hmm. Because those are the things people might not expect. A person might download a weather app and not expect their location data to be sold. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the things, the things that you wouldn't expect to happen in general. I think most people that use apps that use location data do not expect that location data to be sold as a, mm-hmm. as a very mm-hmm. like simple example, right? There are a whole bunch of other things that are similar to that. And those are the ones I would want to be like highlighted being like, look, they're, they're selling you location data because mm-hmm. that's their business model. And mm-hmm. I f- feel like mm. that's something we should make, because realistically, you can still decide, right? Do you rather pay whatever amount of money for a weather app that might not do that? Or are you happy to to save the $12 a year, but therefore they're selling that? And I think that's the purpose of it, right? It's not about banning apps. Apple could say, we no longer allow that. That's not the point of this. The point of this is being educational. And I but think how do you not, suggest them doing that? Do you think they should have more narrow categories so that you can see that? I think that? realistically, almost no one will ever care about the data that's only collected for functionality. Mm-hmm. Right? I mm-hmm. think that should be something that's super deprioritized. Yeah, but um, then it's hard to... So let's say you would do it that way. You Like Apple would ask you for everything. So then you have things that are needed for their functionality and other things that are being collected for other mm-hmm. reasons. But then it's a lot about like up to the developer to decide what is actually required for it. Because like a company like Facebook would probably say that... No, but um, that's, it's already part of the questionnaire, right? Are you s- selling this data as well? And if you say, okay. yes, yeah. I am, then that's the one. It's it's not. The questionnaire is fine, right? It's it's the way it is so being displayed. The that that are, I think, so you think the questions that are there would be narrow enough for it? Yeah, yeah I think. I mean, there there's... I have nitpicky uh, improvements that could be done to the questionnaire as well. But overall, I think the displaying of the data is the one that's not quite hitting the the, the goal yet because it is an educational piece mm. for users. And I think at the moment, it's not doing that too well because it's so, so convoluted and not very clear because I do not think anyone cares about a user ID being mm-hmm. used you know, no. yeah, like, but on the whole, what, what, I'd rather have this information now than what we had before, yeah. which was nothing. Yeah, sure. And it's a good for some, like, it's not perfect and doesn't work well for all apps, but for some apps, it does work quite well looking at things like sleep trackers and other health and fitness ones, like apps that essentially just pull data from HealthKit and display it in a nice way. I'd much rather mm-hmm. use one that says it does nothing with my data than has this big long list of, um, mm-hmm. you know, places that even if it's not used 
to identify me that, you know, sends off analytics and diagnostics and all of these things. And I know that not everyone cares, but as somebody who does care, it is nice to look at some of the health apps that I use and see that they do nothing. Mm. And I'm just now assuming that Mm. they don't have like third-party libraries. They aren't sending analytics Mm -hmm. off to third-party services. And I really like that. Uh, And it's nice and reassuring. Yeah, I I do agree. Like it is good for people who care about it to be able to see it now. But the problem is that it could desensitize desensitize people who might not care as much. So like if I'm looking at if someone looks at it and they see a wall of text, then they might not read it uh, now when it's available. And then if Apple does continue improving and decide to have like different highlighting of the things that are more like strange for an app to collect. If that happens in a year, then people might already be used to this system and they might, it might not have the impact that it would have had if they were baking it a bit lo- like fully, like deciding what this should be and like having a system that highlights things a bit more clear in the but first place. I also place. do you think there should be a prioritization of this. I, I always think data that's been collected about the app functionality, it's good that you can see that, mm-hmm. but it should be so much less of a priority to, than data that's being sold to third parties. Mm. Because now you're not only trusting the company, but in like an array of companies you might have never heard of. Mm-hmm. You know, And I think that is more concerning as a user than, all right, this, this sleep tracking app knows my email address because it's part of my user account. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't need that batch there like to the same extent as someone who's collecting it and selling it mm. i think that should not be the same batch yeah that's yeah. because it the incentive isn't not the right one right yeah. you want to d- d- and, this, and that's what i mean you, about categorizing like expected mm. versus unexpected i don't know i don't know how mm. that would look and it's a tough problem mm. to solve but that mm. kind of here's what you should actually be concerned about in amongst mm. this wall mm. of other things that are mm. quite normal perhaps yeah. in this category yeah I think in this case, you got to not get too political, right? Um, they're mm. trying to make a stance without upsetting too many people. And we already <laughs> know that they're, they've upset Facebook quite a bit. And as far as I'm concerned, it's a good thing, but they've still got to play their cards right with their partners and, and the companies they work with. Yeah. But it, I, I do think education for this is, is really good. Mm-hmm. It's almost to me a better approach than the enforcement approach. I do like the one where you tell, you tell the users what it does mm-hmm. and they make a decision whether it's worth it to them. I do think that's a better approach than than making up random rules that m- might have very unintentional consequences, right? But I think education and in, in, in almost anything in our world, right? Education is a thing that's very tricky. Like that's why, mm-hmm. you know, why not everyone comes out of school having learned the same things education is 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 a very tough job very challenging mm-hmm. very different for different people and I, I i think a wall of text is not a particularly high chance of being educational i do agree that it, for people like yourself zach y- you might look because you know what you're looking for mm-hmm. but i think the majority of people who see those now are not knowing what they're looking at just yet. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think it doesn't do a great job at that. So people who already care might now have a better um, access to the information, but people who who didn't know that they that was something they should care about, I don't mm. think get anything. Mm-hmm. would be an interesting uh, A-B test yeah. to, to say, all right, let's check everything and see if downloads are mm-hmm. impacted in any way to if we check nothing like even if your app doesn't collect anything Mm -hmm. just just have an app that has like a baseline i mean not willing to risk it on orbit but if anyone's uh willing to risk all their downloads uh, i would be interested to see if if it would even lead to any kind of measurable decrease in downloads at the moment Mm. and i mean there's also the the debate about the what is the idfa 
Is that what it's called? The tracking identifier? Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, which is also interesting. What is it called? Uh, is it IDFA? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Identity for advertisers. Ah, there we go. That makes sense. Yeah, and I mean, that's... When is that coming up? That's also coming up at some point soon, right? Where that's no longer as... Where you get the warning. It's like, hey, this company wants to track you everywhere mm -hmm. and do whatever they want with your data and on all platforms. Uh, which is also tricky, right? It's it's actually uh, not as simple of a problem either. And that one is extremely um, <laughs> judgmentally worded, right? Yeah, There's no consideration of like, oh, Apple's trying to be kind of uh, not not put too much uh, waiting or per, uh, their own opinion. Is it this one in their example? Um, Palabout would like to per would like permission to track you across apps and websites owned by other companies yeah is that the one yeah okay you know but that's very clear it's like and then allow tracking like that mm -hmm. is that is a wording that is not very like oh we just chose some random information no this is very much like look do you want to be tracked across the web um including websites that are owned by other companies right i i think that is the the type of language that i would like for the almost rather have that for Uh, for the for the nutrition labels because I do think it's it makes it very clear of what's mm -hmm. actually happening mm -hmm. here. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, I mean, the IDFA is a whole different story, right? Because there are actually uh, upsides and downsides. Like as someone who's like we actually just recently started to to take advertisement like advertising orbit on the internet more <laughs> seriously, mm -hmm. um, having not and apparently from what we've read so far is that facebook and google those companies apparently they're really good at finding users if you tell them what you want to show them they're really good at finding users that that's relevant to so in theory we don't really know that we started yesterday mm -hmm. but in theory it it is those kind of things are used for us to spend the least amount of money to reach the most relevant potential users for orbit mm -hmm. i don't kind of i'm not quite sure what kind of long-term implications those kind of restrictions could have on that industry um doesn't mean for orbit we're paying instead of two dollars per new user we pay twenty dollars because those users are no longer relevant to us you know could be could mm -hmm. could also all be fine it's just i think those those could have impacts to some extent mm. to to businesses that try to advertise because in theory you could make a and i'm not super subscribed to it but you could make the case of saying isn't isn't it better if if we show advertisement anyways that we show advertisement to you that might be interesting to you mm. like should we show zach um advertisement for for dog food every day mm -hmm. or should we show him uh the new m1 mac mini that he, we all know he secretly wants <laughs> you know <laughs> Realistically, please don't show me the Mac Mini. Show me dog food. I'll never <laughs> buy it. <laughs> But you know, if you see ads anyway, there's definitely one ad that would be better suited towards who you are. Mm -hmm. It's just a question of you know how how damaging is that? Is 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 it worth it that that dog food company is now wasting a lot of money uh, on on showing ads to you that you you don't even have a dog or or mm -hmm. uh, is that a better place to be? Is because realistically. If we see this all the way through, I mean, and there's still enough other ways of tracking people, but if we would go to the extreme, would we w really want like bus ads, like bus style ads on the internet, like just random ads for random companies mm -hmm. that we just show to everyone? And then they're like, 
maybe one percent of people actually find it at all interesting. Mm-hmm. That's hard, right? It's a very different advertisement space, and it's actually disadvantaging smaller companies, right? It's not like a Petty could ever feasibly do um, any kind of reasonable bus ads. I mean, also, I don't know how good an, an app that <laughs> focuses on people driving cars are at, at a bus stop. I would mm. question your your advertisement skills there already. <laughs> but in theory, that's not something you could do. Mm. You could start Facebook ads, especially when you can target to say, "Look, I'm I'm only in in like those states, and I only want to show uh, the ads there." Mm. You know, you don't care about people in 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 areas that you're not offering a service in. Mm-hmm. So there is actually value if you want to go down that route to say, all right, I only want to advertise to people that do have cars or are more likely to have cars mm-hmm. in areas that I actually serve. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's it's all of those are kind of, they're not as simple as they might immediately mm-hmm. seem because mm-hmm. there can be, it's hard to predict those. I mean, and that's, I think, some of the arguments Facebook is making too. Mm-hmm. I didn't read too much about their, their, their... Yeah, I haven't read specifically about Facebook, but I do... Like I do see how this could have how this could impact more things than just the users of the app. Yeah, right. And or and it's hard, iPhone. right? It's hard. The bigger shifts there are, the harder it is to predict how many, how much of an impact that has. Because yeah. I wouldn't want to be in a place where where only Coke, Pepsi, and uh, <laughs> uh, you know, a dog food company can advertise because you now have to be have so much of a budget for your ad campaign because you're now showing everything to generic users who might be completely irrelevant. Like for us, we started a Reddit campaign yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I think Reddit is pretty decent at fairly non-user-tracked way of advertisement. Mm-hmm. That's kind of why we thought it was interesting. Mm-hmm. So we are saying we want to mostly show ads to people that are in subreddits uh, like freelancer mm-hmm. or designing mm-hmm. or and, but, iOS development, yeah. right? Like, and that's the thing. Like, you, uh, you can advertise. You don't need... Like, th- that is that is information that is uh, retrieved by Reddit in in their own app. So, like, there are still ways of narrowing those things down, right? It's not like you advertise to everyone. To everyone. Like, it's not like... It's not like you can't focus your ads at all or you can focus them really narrow. Like, I think there are other ways to do this. I don't yeah, but know. It's harder when you're getting to a service like Facebook that's more of a, this is a, the general population of the world. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, how would you target Facebook if you wouldn't target it by user? You can't say, you know, yeah. only people that... I mean, you can still do it by user, but you could check their engagement on Facebook specifically. Like, and check what pages on Facebook they go to. That's the only way of interacting with Reddit, right? The, the mm-hmm. chances of someone who's using an iPhone in the freelance uh, subreddit, the chances of them potentially being a, tar- a user of our app are fairly high. Mm-hmm. How would you do that on Facebook? Like people that like their community groups, like, yeah. you know, what yeah. people don't go to as many like work. That's true. You, you know, have, it's you, more of a I general you population. Sort of have, I mean, I'm not really a Facebook user, but you sort of have your general feed where it's just all your friends. And then you do have groups as well. And you might go to those as well. But on Reddit, like the specific purpose is to go to subreddits. So mm-hmm. I, I see what you mean. This, like you will, uh, that will already sort of narrow. Like you already, the, the apps, the whole idea of Reddit is to provide interest to people. Like, rather, it's not about to your, have small communities exactly. that are very focused, right? Yeah. You're not having a lot of subreddits that are like everything. 
Yeah. There is probably an R slash everything, but on, <laughs> on average, people go like, I really want to read about what people think about uh, those new Swift features. You might mm -hmm. go to a subreddit for Swift. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in that if case, you you've already read about got your niche. Like, you don't need that further drilling down that Facebook mm -hmm. offers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah no, it's you're right. I see why Facebook might conceptually a different from other platform, parts. right? Yeah, um, which makes it a bit harder. So yeah. it's it is it's going. I think this entire thing is interesting. Mm. I do think the the ad tracking is is definitely too far on the creepy side. For yeah, me personally. I I totally agree. And like from a user perspective, I I, I really. Agree agree that like i'm happy that those things are being more enforced but at the same time i think or it can educated at least right educated, educated yeah. is the important yeah, first step, yeah. i think uh, but i think it can twinkle t twinkle down uh, trickle 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 there we go uh, yeah so it can trickle down to so many different and have such impact on other people and that are not facebook what that impact is right? yeah so uh, totally like it, it is more complicated than like it looks at first like at first it's like woohoo less tracking but i see wh where else it has impact and i i don't know it's hard and like uh, so our opinion about advertisement is it's complicated <laughs> I, I feel like that's our conclusion to everything. Mm. There, it's, yeah, there's no black and white, but no. yeah, it's hard um, because, I mean, yeah, you're right. You do want that targeted, to, to an extent, you want targeted advertising so that, mm. you know, I'm not getting ads for a mattress company that only offers in, only operates in Vancouver when I just bought mm. a new mattress here in Sydney. Like, I, mm. I get that, but there are less creepy ways to do it though um and yeah, you know yeah. that i mean i don't actually know how reddit works behind the scenes but you're right about you could probably determine someone's interests based on their subscriptions and then you probably don't need like tracking pixels everywhere on, and all across the internet like we know facebook mm -hmm. does um and not that facebook needs them either but i get that it allows them to deliver more targeted advertising and deliver mm -hmm. better results for advertisers i get it and everything's a trade-off but i think we'd all probably settle for some kind of middle ground where it's less mm -hmm. creepy maybe you know, ads aren't as targeted. So yeah, maybe you have to pay a little bit more to reach a customer, but they're not creepy and they're not invasive. And yeah, I mean, nothing's perfect, but yeah. But yeah, I think I, I do agree with what you say, Kai, that it's more about the education piece, that it's important for people to realize what is being tracked and how that is um, impacting what they're seeing. Um, because I've, I still like people in my family, they are not very technical and they are still they're only now starting to be surprised that they see targeted ads and they don't really know why they're seeing them. They are like they said the other day that they, they looked at some, they looked at a pair of shoes and then it appeared in their Facebook feed. And I'm like, yeah, that's how the internet works. And for them, that was still a surprise. So I definitely think there's still that education piece needed. And then they can make their decision about like how they like feel about an ad or how they like what they want to, how they want to use the internet in a different way. And I mean, obviously, it's tricky to change your user patterns if advertisers are everywhere. You can just stop using all your apps if that's what you like, if you are uncomfortable with those things. Uh, but I think education is an important mm. part. And I think Apple is trying to do that. But I am worried that now when there's this wall, people might not pay attention to it. And then once those things be are improved and it's actually providing really valuable information, people might be so accustomed to not reading those things like we are with terms and conditions. And then people might just it might not have the impact so now we're back in nutrition labels again <laughs> see it was rounding up yeah, the topic goes full yeah 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 i don't know i don't know mm -hmm. i think that's hard because realistically if if i would be in facebook situation i would also be like hey you you just decided that the core part of our business is now dead we don't like that you know you, you mm. see i think that. i think the reason why like many people are making fun of the way facebook does it is because they're saying 
they're talking about it like it impacts small businesses and they're making it sound like Apple are the evil people. But yeah, I they're think making it about stand they, up for small business, which to yeah, an extent is which, true. Which I, th- I do think it ha- can have an impact on small businesses, but I don't think that's necessarily Facebook's have, reason for doing it. If you have like a lot of reasons that are like, hey, we we like money and we have a business model that's mm. based on this, but it also impacts small businesses, you talk about that one, right? That's just, I mean. But I think that's why so many people criticize app, uh, criticize Facebook trying to pull that off because everyone sees that they, it is like a business reason but this well. is not an argument to convey you know they're not trying to convince you me or zach they're trying to talk to congress and yeah. related uh, governments who's like hey small because that's what all of them do right now right mm-hmm. apple's doing the same thing it's like <laughs> yeah. look uh, small businesses get a discount it's like yeah it's cool and it again is helpful for small businesses but it also happens to help apple in its current situation right there is yeah there's i mean always... yeah. corporations are always gonna <laughs> spin things in a positive way who knew yeah uh, you know and, you know, that's, it's not like no one's going to pick, no one is going to clearly uh, lay out their entire chain of reasoning. You know, and no one's going to say, look, we make way more money this way. And it's really great because we really like money. Oh, yeah. And small businesses yeah. will be. That doesn't incentivize people to get behind you, though. But yeah. suddenly you say, oh, you're taking away from small business and people care mm. a lot more. Yeah. And I think that's good, right? That means that there is still a lot of positivity in the world that people are like, hey, small businesses, we should support them. So in yeah. theory, also, that is a good sign, right? That people mm. care more about small businesses mm. than, than trillion-dollar companies. It's just unfortunate that we're in a situation where now apparently a lot of trillion-dollar companies are the main guardians of small businesses' income. Mm. Uh, I think that is long, like, uh, long-term time, scale, uh, time frame. We should kind of figure out how, how we can become more independent from from trillion dollar companies again that would be nice but yeah that's that's a topic of another day <laughs> speaking of small businesses uh-huh. um i don't know if you saw zach but kai and i are starting a youtube channel yes i saw a tweet about this how's yeah. that going what's the idea behind that <laughs> <laughs> we already okay let me check as of now how many subscribers do we have yeah it was a very light night light late night decision mm-hmm. we were like hey we should do this. It kind of spiraled, right? Yeah. We were like, we should really do some advertisement um, for Orbit because mm-hmm. we're, we're definitely feeling like the growth rate is not. Um, it, it could probably be higher if we if we find a good way of advertising it. Yeah. And we also decided, hey, there's actually not that much damage because theoretically we're kind of against ads. But if we find people that it might actually be relevant to, mm-hmm. we felt like that kind of makes sense because I do think there are a lot of people that would benefit from our app who've not found it. Um, and right now we're very reliant on Apple's App Store for people to find us. Yeah. Right? I think ninety ninety ish percent of all of our users came through Apple features. Yeah, and that will not last forever. Mm-hmm. And even if it would, we'd take it. It would be great. <laughs> but if it if it isn't, it still feels better to considering that for us this is not like over the next five years. The idea is not that this is a side project that we work on on our free time every now and then. Right? We want this to become a business and a source of like a primary source of income for us so we thought all right we should we should treat it that way we should take it seriously we should do everything we can and be in charge as much as we can of our own user growth and um well there there are there's a myriad of ways of accomplishing that right part is paid ads some of that is like oh it's all the fun words right it's it's <laughs> content paid advertising marketing. yeah content marketing and uh, figuring out user acquisition <laughs> strategies and it's all, all this kind of fun stuff in all the stuff that we have very little experience with and very little skill we think 
with. So we thought, hey, if we're doing all of those things right now, right? We're we're doing like because we we kind of looked and there's not a lot that we found from indie developers or people that kind of get started uh, around like what are the best ads? How, how how what was successful? How was it experimented with? How did that convert? What didn't convert? What worked well? How about Reddit versus Twitter versus Facebook versus Instagram? How about um, doing some kind of content marketing when you're writing blog posts to try to uh, do SEO and, and another... Search engine optimization. Yeah, all of that. So we thought, considering that we're people that feel not extremely comfortable then about that and not having a lot of skill about that but hopefully acquire some of that mm. and there being such a myriad of other people that feel yeah and i think especially in a similar spot especially people who are smaller like businesses or <laughs> like if people have small tech businesses or people who are in the developers i think i get the feeling that they are a little bit they are in the same boat as us they are not comfortable about the whole advertisement side of it and i think we would since we're not comfortable either we're going to try things out and we want to actually gather some information like gather some experimental information from that like we're actually gonna like run the same ad across different platforms and try different platforms out and like our budget is quite small but i think um we we're gonna like try out a lot of different things um and i think um rather than everyone having to try those things out, we want to share what we're doing, like as in the developers and how we sort of using our small budget in a like in, in a way that we find makes but sense. But also just things like we, we're taking screenshots of what do those ads actually look like? Mm. Because even that I found hard, right? When I, I looked into Reddit ads, it's like, how does a Reddit ad actually look mm. like when it's displayed in the different ways? So we're, we're just trying like... Very similar ads across different platforms, kind of first thing we're doing, taking mm. screenshots of what they look like on different devices, um, uh, and then collect all the data, right? How many people saw it? How many people clicked it? How many people converted? Mm. How much we're, did we pay for them? And, yeah. yeah. And we thought, let's collect all of that and actually make that a, a separate YouTube channel where we actually talk about that, talk about our approaches. So it's it's basically yeah. <laughs> a, a, like indie channel but that focuses on things that are not code yeah like it's it's yeah nice. it's the, about the other the, stuff the business yeah. side yeah. of the yeah. app store yeah yeah because we feel like uh, there are many people who write really good articles about how to make an app mm. and really good tutorials about that and that's not that is something that um we we feel like we are also sort of past now we have the app but now we're sort of at this st second stage of like how do we make it uh, our primary source of income and that's what we want to figure out ourselves and many people are in that stage so we want to share that and uh, that's sort of the focus of it i believe the world would be a better place if more people could spend more time on on their passion project mm -hmm. and if advertisement is something that might actually or all the other things right we're trying a whole bunch of things because i think like the app is pretty good um, downloads are not where they need to be. Mm -hmm. So let's see. Is there actually a pathway for us to get to a point where, where they go where they need to be? Because mm -hmm. realistically, most companies advertise. Most tech companies that sell service products, they advertise. I'm sure they're not all idiots. I'm sure they're, they they realize that they're making more money than they spend. And if that's the case... That's how good advertising then, works, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that is in theory how, how all of this works. Yeah. We just don't know yet if that works for us. And I, I do think there's a surprising, like I'm not seeing a lot of indies being comfortable with advertisement. Mm. And, and I think it's can... partly because like, um, you don't, if you don't know, if you don't have that experience, you don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. And that's 
where I feel like it would be really valuable to talk to other people about it. And I think this is something uh, I'm always interested to hear about, like in meetups, just hear about how people are like telling people about their products. I think that can be really valuable. And I think every app is very different, but I still think there are certain things that are commonalities between them and like sharing some like idea of like what platform works for who can be useful for people but even just if it's like this is what your ad look, looks like this is how you set it up and mm. this is what what it would do. Yeah, yeah like even if if maybe we for us it turns out linkedin is the best because we're kind of focusing on an app that kind of helps freelancers mm. right so maybe linkedin is the best um but maybe someone just sees that and for them linkedin isn't the best but mm. it still works like getting started is often a hard part mm. and that's kind of the idea of it we're, we're just getting started and we kind of talk about our journey and it is kind of hard in the beginning when you're like mm. i have no idea let's figure it out so might as well share that share it in in multiple forms right we mm. we will so, write yeah, blog we posts about it yeah but, i think since it's quite number focused we also want to have a blog post so people can see like actual graphs and lists uh, of those things and then um, the the youtube channel is more of a another experiment of like let's let's make that one the the youtube channel is called mm. developer commentary so this is more where we talk about not just here are the raw numbers but also why did we decide to go this way it's mm. it's more the 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 thought behind the outcome that's kind of our idea at least and we're totally happy to kind of shift focus a bit if we realize hey there are actually more valuable things here but the idea is this is this is our thought process mm. and this is where it goes to and kind of have yeah. a better rounded idea i think it's about lots about like talking about the product side and like our, our behind the scenes thing i don't know if you've watched like many movies or like video games where it's like um like a commentary reel and you just hear like their thought process behind making a movie or why a nah, certain scene is in the i haven't way. but i get the idea yeah yeah mm. yeah so i think it's sort of like that so it's not really going to be any about the code or development. Yeah. No, I think that mm. that's really interesting because there's not a whole lot of that out there, at least that I've come across. And yeah, you're right. A lot of people don't talk about the business or marketing side. And often a lot mm. of the, a lot of what you hear is people who might have stumbled into a bit of success uh, as mm -hmm. opposed, and, and they weren't really, they kind of fell into it accidentally. And that's great, mm. but that doesn't sort of talk about the other side of things mm. where it's like, how do you go about deliberately building a business mm. from this mm. and you know that everyone who falls into su success it's like oh i woke up one day and something happened and then yeah. i had three mm. million users and that's cool but you can't plan for that kind of thing what you yeah. can yeah. plan for yeah. is is your marketing your advertising and, and slowly building mm. step by step piece by piece to something that is you know sustainable mm. as as you've mm. said yeah you often hear about the people who are like really successful once they are there and we like maybe we maybe we, it becomes really successful but um Maybe not, but hopefully it yeah. does. And we would just want to talk about the journey of nice. wherever we're going. But it's also supposed to be replicatable. You know, if someone's like, look, this super huge website wrote a blog post about mm -hmm. my app mm -hmm. without me doing anything. Well, that's not something you're like, well, I made a nice app. Let's see what happens. And then from 99% of products, nothing happens, right? And that is... I think it's unrealistic to aim for the 1% of, of super lucky coincidental success stories. I mean, I think we're probably already having a lot more like coincidental accidental success as far as like features and some, some press articles go. 
but yeah. we want to talk about the part that's actually like that we can influence. Like we we're also going to talk about like like this is how we reach out to editorial. This mm. is kind of how we explain what we're doing. This is kind of mm, talk how, about like how like a press kit and like those yeah. parts and the so we, like we marketing material. Talk about those. Yeah. And but I think also you do that very well. Like you have a good website and a good press kit. So it'd be interesting <laughs> to hear your stories there. Yeah. Thank you. But but yeah, the idea is that this is something that is replicatable, but also us talking about why we do things and then maybe some of the the reasons you know i, I often find that in, when i listen to a podcast or watch a youtube video about something that me disagreeing with someone actually taught me more mm-hmm. than 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 what they talked about in particular just because i never thought about it from one way but hearing someone say something that i disagree with kind of gave me new ideas of what i want to mm. do you know See, what the podcast that people disagree with i think that's okay it's more <laughs> we want to give our reasoning behind things mm. and if people mm-hmm. agree and they can replicate what we're or or avoid the mistakes we're making mm. that's great but if someone disagrees and they stumble into something even better that's amazing too right it's mm-hmm. not so much about we are the experts it's very much of those are the things we're trying mm-hmm. for those reasons and if you disagree with them or or your product is different, that's that's fine too. But it's it's more us sharing what, what yeah. we're approaching and how and this, we're approaching it and yeah. why. And then we go from there. Yeah, I mean, the more information that's available, the more helpful that is, right? And then people can see if it's applicable to them. Otherwise, I think they can maybe like read between the lines or see things that might work for their product if it didn't work for us. And also a bonus, we, we snapped up the domain developercommentary.com. So that was nice. Did you? Is, doesn't that feel like we were surprised that that was available? Yeah, we were like, yeah. wait, is this a offensive a term domain. somehow? Yeah, right. Nice. And the YouTube channel was available as well. Cool. Yeah. I guess the one downside is that it's too long for a Twitter handle, but I don't think people that would stop people from buying your domain. Okay. So not, yeah. <laughs> De- you could do like sure dev why. commentary, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what yeah. we went with. Cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we 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 snapped up that domain. Well, that's kind of I don't know if what it will lead to worst case we link it to the to to youtube i don't know how what the best way of i think what we will channel. do like since it will be a lot of us talking we're also going to release it as a podcast but i would i still think the youtube channel is the best way of absorbing it just because we will have some visual stuff in there and at the moment we have we already have 14 subscribers Woo-hoo. so who said you need to create Woo-hoo. videos to to get subscribers yeah this rate uh, and they talk about that consistency we haven't even started a consistency yeah we more than doubled today so at this rate in in no more than 400 days or so we'll have more subscribers than mkbhd I- I don't know. I don't even think that that's up. So we're 14 to the power of... What did I say? <laughs> you said 400 days, didn't you? That's not <laughs> That's not going to get you there. Kai's being optimistic. Oh, if you double every day... Oh, you said double oh, every day. Yeah, double every right, day. Right. Non-linear. Right, we, we double today, so... <laughs> That's without videos. Imagine what would happen if we upload videos. So that's the goal. Um, no. <laughs> no, the, the goal is just to like share what we're doing and also have something that we can... like. Uh, just something that helps us reflect on what we're doing and uh, we can always look back at it as well and it's sort of like our own notes um it will be good and we're, we're we're too comfortable now with the podcast aspect of things right it's like talking to a microphone we kind of have that figured out uploading that it's all pretty pretty it's straightforward now so video is definitely a new challenge so i also like taking on those kind of new challenges where it's like all right let's figure this out how, mm. what's our camera setup how do we even 
position ourselves in our apartment in a way that's at all visually interesting? Do we do multi-camera setups? Like, there's a lot of interesting new things that we now have to figure mm. out. And I always enjoy doing a whole bunch of random new things that that kind of make you, f- forces that force you to, to reconsider or learn new things. Mm. So I think that's, it's going nice, to be fun. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so developer commentary. We'll link it in the show notes. Otherwise, <laughs> nice. developercommentary.com. Also, our exit strategy is we sell this, we make developer commentary a term everyone knows about, and then we sell the domain for, <laughs> for millions. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. Look, if it was uh, two letters or three letters, I'd say you had a better chance about that. <laughs> <laughs> but those ones, Nevertheless, those ones if anyone's listening and they want to buy developer commentary, uh, it's, it's yours for... What do we do? Million dollars? Let's start with a million. <laughs> but that's where the bidding starts? Yeah, that's where the bidding starts. We'll get so many emails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Complete Shall different we topic. move on to Cyberpunk 2077? Have- Is that how you say it? I never said it out loud. Do you say 2077? Yeah. Or 2077? I would 20- say 2077. Uh, Zach, have you by any chance heard anything about Cyberpunk 2077? Uh, I know that it is a game that people okay. play, and I know okay. that it's very buggy. Um, I also heard it might be a bit politically incorrect, but I'm not sure if that how accurate that source was. Uh, and I know <laughs> that, I think, is it Sony or PlayStation it's being pulled from that store? Uh, I think it's that one, because it's yeah. like super buggy yeah. and they're refunding people. Yeah, so, that's so you heard thing. all the positive things. <laughs> oh, okay. Is there negatives? <laughs> oh, wait, weren't they, weren't they half negative? I said that it's no, buggy it and they're being <laughs> No, no, they are. Uh, um, yeah, you're, so, you're pretty well on track okay, with okay. what's so, going on. Cyberpunk 2077, just to give you more, more knowledge Thank that you'll you. yeah, very yeah. much appreciate. Could do it some context. Yeah. Um, is a game made by CD Projekt Red, which is a development studio in Poland. They made other. And I don't famous- know what they did this much of a backstory. Yeah. Other <laughs> famous games like the Witcher series that had a lot of fans. Um, their games on average started off being kind of buggy and then they got long term, like improvements for many, many years to come mm-hmm. and usually free improvements. Uh, like you don't have to pay extra for that. And they built quite a fan base as a result of that. In 20, what was it? Like, I think seven or eight years ago, 2013, maybe, uh, they had the first teaser for this game. So it's been in development for a very, very, very long time. Yeah. And as you can expect from a studio that has a very good reputation, showing very interesting teaser material, uh, people got more and more hyped over the years. And even this year, it was supposed to be released, right? And then it was delayed twice, uh, by like a month or so. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you you already know they they were in a uh hot needle situation when you're like <laughs> delaying um delaying your game with like I don't even remember what the notes was. I think it was first to, supposed to come out in April 16, then they delayed it to September 17th, then it was delayed to uh, was it November? I'm I'm really terrible with uh with the timeline at the moment but yeah so now fa- finally mm. came out okay. um no reviewers get access to uh any kind of last generation um press copies because of their official statement is that they were still working on it until the very last day is that their official statement yeah. oh that's not a good official statement yeah it's not a good sign hey yeah 
Uh, and then, obviously, as, as you've heard, they released the game. Apparently, it was super buggy, on, especially in the last generation consoles, to a point where now Sony pulled it from their store, so you can no longer buy it on the PlayStation Store. Mm-hmm. And they also refunded people, right? Uh, yeah, everyone can get refunds. PlayStation, uh, they, they pulled it, so you can't even buy it right now. Microsoft offers refunds, even if you played it already. Uh, I think Best Buy and a whole bunch of other retailers, they actually take it back, even if it was open. So it's, it's essentially the most catastrophic possible release of a game probably okay that has ever happened right Mm -hmm. Uh, i cannot recall ever seeing something like this where where retailers take back physical copies yeah i I think that's that's super rare okay yeah yeah so that was that was interesting what about assassin's creed i mean it was buggy but not it wasn't to that extent no apparently on pc it's mostly fine like it's it's like any open world game it's it's pretty fine overall and then there are bugs here and there you know that i I think Mm -hmm. it's hard to write software in general that doesn't have any bugs especially if you have something that's like trying to simulate an entire world with like hundreds or thousands of of like non-player characters roaming around having their own agenda having like a whole bunch of physics and 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 like cars and skyscrapers and buildings that people can mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of i mean there's a lot of moving pieces yeah it's... a lot lot happening a lot to simulate so it's it's not surprising that a game like that would have some amount of bugs and it, overall it seems like on 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 pc it was pretty fine it's the consoles that were in mm-hmm. a pretty rough state and now obviously you have this entire discussion of like how do how did they get to this point um since they released their last game they they become a publicly traded company so apparently there was a lot of pressure from shareholders to release the game rather than than letting it you know develop and be mm. completed before they release mm-hmm. it uh there was apparently a lot of infighting i just thought it was a super interesting because it's rare to get such a get to, to, to see software that's been developed for for like 10 plus years that's then being released right i think in our our sliver of the industry it's usually someone worked on something for six months mm-hmm. yeah if someone worked on an application for two years you're like whoa <laughs> yeah that is and insane. i think Must be big. Uh, i mean there are probably many people who didn't work on the whole game but like no matter your involvement in making such working on such a big project you would have put so much work into this and mm. unhappy like i feel very sorry for all the people who were all the developers and all the people on the team who were making this game and now they're getting this like really bad not backlash but like it's clearly that they, like the game is not being received as well as they wanted them to and people also- people are excited about the game it's like i think i haven't really heard many negative things about the game itself but like this quality the, the quality of that on the older generation consoles are obviously like gonna dilute that excitement about the game and apparently and, uh, it's also there are a lot of weird metrics for in the video game industry for example one is uh have you heard of metacritic uh no so it's a website that aggregates reviews from all over like the internet and magazines and those kind of things Mm -hmm. and gives you an average of those so for example for for a tv show they might get like all the all the hollywood magazines and some online reviews and then says on average this tv show or this tv show season gets an 80 out of 100 so apparently in the video game industry it's quite common that your bonuses are, oh, are no. <laughs> uh, yeah yeah <laughs> they are uh dependent on your metacritic okay. metacritic uh, score of the game yeah which yeah. is such a weird metric right <laughs> yeah if you're the engineer that worked on the i don't know the the car tire physics for the last mm-hmm. three years why why do you not get your bonus if the game doesn't get a 90 plus yeah it's such a weird hostile metric because you can see how how those kind of incentives align very strangely, right? 
now all of a sudden your financial wealth or or comfort mm -hmm. of something you've worked on for potentially 10 years is dependent on work that other people in the same building do but are completely unrelated to you so you can kind of see how that would quite quickly turn into a more hostile mm -hmm. environment where if someone leaves early and you know they're not done with their work mm -hmm. you are now becoming like the the enforcer of of overtime and excessive mm -hmm. work hours because yeah you personally cannot impact your bonus that's like you know you mm -hmm. wouldn't have a salesperson at a company's bonus depending on a different salesperson's performance yeah. that yeah. would be super hostile of a yeah or the developer's performance yeah how well the the product you're selling yeah. then then works after the two-year warranty yeah. is over you're like why <laughs> I'm, yeah. i'm the salesperson not the you know mm -hmm. so it's 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 weird but it's it's very fascinating to me how how that entire thing unfolded. Also, uh, for for Google Stadia, apparently, that was a really good few mm. weeks because Google Stadia as a game streaming platform, uh, they the code base of that game seems to be more on the PC side of things. So it's overall one of the best ways of playing the game. And a lot of people in the game industry or kind of reporting were kind of against um, Google Stadia as a streaming platform and now gets a mm -hmm. lot of positive uh, critique, which also kind of is a, this weird extra bonus to this entire kerfuffle where it's like why is that because it, it used to stadia always got so much negativity and all of a sudden this game that's been like so hyped mm -hmm. but then so had such a bad reception on on one side of the gaming industry now kind of boosts this other mm. thing that used to have a kind of bad reputation but the thing is that i think cyberpunk is big enough so it's not just hyped by the gaming community anymore like it's it's a game so many people want to play mm. no matter like how much how much of a gamer you really are and i think um like for people who are like just want to try this game because they hear a lot about it that's like state is perfect for that right and you it's don't also need interesting right because it's like you you don't need a console right you just have your chrome browser and you start playing the game it's like it gets rid of this entire constraint of like oh you have the older console so you're screwed right mm -hmm. it's like nope everyone uses the same mm -hmm. high-end rig in some google's data center and you just start playing and it also gets rid of all the day one patches it's like nope you hit the play button and you get the latest version of the game. You just don't have that. And now Google's obviously very happy about that. And their the Twitter account is like, hey, if you got a, if you refunded your your game on the PlayStation because it ran like like a terrible dumpster fire, how about you, you come and join us? It's, <laughs> it's overall a very, very fascinating. And I, I would say the entire video game industry feels like that was all they thought about for the last <laughs> like three weeks like it's yeah. been cyberpunk non-stop and it, yeah i feel it, like i'm the only one i'm sitting like playing a completely different game <laughs> like I, because i picked up this game that i like put on a pause for a while and i feel like i'm the only one on the internet using a service for playing a different game than cyberpunk at the moment <laughs> yeah all that said it's also i've not played a single second of this game i do not own that game i haven't bought it it's just you're just I, very passionate about I, it. i just find this entire situation fascinating because there's so many you know you could make a tv show just about this entire thing right because you have all the yeah. parts like you have uh infighting you have the, <laughs> the stock market thing where now all of a sudden you have external pressure from shareholders some some people in, inside of the company that try mm -hmm. to raise it but yeah, they, it's, they, it would be a really interesting case study i think and just seeing how people work together and seeing how companies mm. are handling those situations and i'm i haven't read up too much about what the like fallouts are gonna be now but like i'm interested in knowing like and reading more about what's gonna happen to cyberpunk and what's gonna happen with the people in the company and you know this is something if you've been working a game for that long and then it's not 
received in the way you were hoping, that can be very damaging for but at the same time, for people. And I hope it's still gonna like not cause too much issues between the teams. I hope people are still gonna be happy about what they made because it seems like a good game. But it's also it's it's like not only that, right? It's still software, so it will mm. still get patches and updates. Yeah. If if like if the game was like released a year too early, does that mean in one year it will be a, an amazing game that that is like on on the quality level of what people expected mm. and does that then redeem yeah. the launch or not like there's still so much unknown in this story yeah. like does does cyberpunk like, just become the recommended game to play in a year when or in six months or mm. in three months or whenever most of the bugs are fixed yeah. or does it mean that now no one will play it anymore it's, it's not gonna have the same success as it yeah, would have that had. hanged the entire company now because mm. people are like oh this uh you know this company mm. cannot be trusted uh so I, I i think it's it's just a fascinating i, I would i want the apple tv show about uh <laughs> cd project because it's you have such a long time span so many intricacies right so mm. much like should should companies go to the stock market now when they all of a sudden have external pressure if they <laughs> if they were already in a financial situation they potentially not needed like they have thousands of employees and you know there is a lot mm. of like people trying to be silent about certain things, them making statements about we don't do crunch and then all of a sudden they had to release a game and then they had to push it. Even pushing a game, right? They probably had entire marketing. Like there were probably like 10 plus companies that were having big marketing campaigns mm-hmm. already started, right? Because mm-hmm. realistically, a game runs on a lot of platforms, right? So you probably have some PC companies. Like there was even an Xbox, I think last year, there was a complete cyberpunk themed xbox mm-hmm. um last year already? yeah oh. because that's when it was like supposed to come out mm-hmm. but then um that, that xbox was released without the game so you could buy a cyberpunk xbox that's that funny. looks like a cyberpunk xbox that that you couldn't play the game on and now the game came out on it and it runs terribly mm-hmm. you know there's so yeah. many things where it's like so many things were put in motion already at, at which point it was too late to kind of completely reel back and then all the lace. I, I think this would make a great <laughs> TV show. I would I would watch that. The next Silicon Valley, but for game development. Mm. Oh, there's, um, if you want to have a show similar to that. Um, Mythic Quest? Mythic Quest is ah, really okay. good. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But um, this would this would this wouldn't be a comedy. I assume this would be more of a drama thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I want to document. I want to like inside. You actually footage. want the documentary yeah, about I want this? Yeah, okay. full documentary. That would be fun. Um, but also like the stock price, right? I think the day before the release, um, the stock price was at whatever this is four hundred four hundred forty three Polish currency. Um, <laughs> Polish currency. Cool. Uh, it dropped by forty two percent to uh like 256 polish currency so it's like also this huge shrub where it's like the shareholders pushed for something that they now got but now the stock dropped even more right so it didn't really turn into the profits that were expected and it's all very interesting okay i just looked up what the polish currency is and i can't pronounce this i'm sorry i wanted to be correct here but (laughs) <laughs> I don't know how to say this word. Yeah, well, see. Do you, do you know how to say this? Well, there's a reason I said Polish currency. Yeah. Man. Now I want to figure it out so that we can correct it. Okay. <laughs> now here we go. So the currency in Poland is slotty. Yeah, slotty. Hmm. Cool. Anyways, uh, I, I think it was very fascinating uh, story that's just very very interesting despite me not playing the game i'm but actually more interested you're gonna in playing play it right yeah i'm not more interested of uh, in playing the game now than i was when 
when I saw like the initial reviews, I was like, because out of curiosity, I watched some of them. I was like, all right, seems like a game. Uh, seems kind of fun and ambitious, but I don't need to play a fun and ambitious game right now. <laughs> but now all this uh, controversy actually makes it more interesting to me because I feel like now it's somehow, you know, a, a bigger deal of a, of a situation. <laughs> so maybe this is the marketing they need. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, if if they want to join us on one of our developer commentary episodes, if if this was their marketing strategy plan, uh, I think we should we should talk about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, uh, should we do picks of the week? Sure, let's do it. Um, I can try. I don't think I've picked this before. Stop me if I have. So my pick this week is an app called Rain Parrot because it has been raining a lot here lately, and it is a simple app that serves one purpose, and that purpose is push notifications when it's about to rain. I think the US has a bunch of services like this from like Dark Sky and Mm -hmm. other kind of weather providers, but there's no equivalent here in Australia. So what the app is doing is taking the data from uh, the BOM, which is our main weather provider, and interpreting it somehow and in a way that it will send you push notifications when it expects to rain. And it's pretty accurate. It'll do something like, oh, you know, light rain in 30 minutes followed by heavy rain in 40 minutes. And mm-hmm. it's not always perfect, but it's pretty close. And we've had a we've had a rainy week and a half or so. And uh, it's been really good to just get those notifications, especially going between the indoors and the outdoors, um, to know, know when it's going to rain and how heavy it's going to rain as well. Um, I was stuck inside and I needed to walk to my car. I was about 10 minutes away a couple of days ago and I could uh, very easily check Rain Parrot on my phone to know <laughs> when the rain was going to sort of ease off a little bit so that I could begin that walk. Um, very, very good app. Uh, very simple. Doesn't do a lot other than the push notifications and show you a weather radar, but mm-hmm. it's very handy if you live in this country. So that is my pick. Hmm. Yeah, I, I used Rain Parrot a lot. Yeah, uh, it's a good app. When we still lived in Australia. Yeah. Now everything is essentially dark sky data so yeah even yeah like apple's apple's built-in apps use yep. dark sky now so that's almost exclusively what i'm using now nice, for yeah. for rain related things because i i have them as a in the widget yep. so i use okay. apple's weather app as a widget and then ah. it just switches to the rain view as soon as rain is expected which yeah, is super nice. useful yeah see unfortunately we don't have well, the the weather that Apple uses, the weather data, isn't accurate enough to use mm. in our widgets. So, I'm a little bit stuck. Mm. And as great as Carrot is, it doesn't do real-time rain predictions for uh, Australia. Mm. Cool. Rain Parrot. Mm. Cool. Do they have a widget? I actually don't know. I wouldn't use a Rain, rain Parrot widget since the interface is primarily push notifications, but I will have mm. a look for you now. Yeah, I don't think there's been an update in ages. That, no, they do not have a widget. Okay. Unfortunately, seems like I, a good fit though mm-hmm. because yeah, the last update was eleven months ago. Unfortunately, it was in one of Apple's best apps or like most popular apps of the year. You know how they do the like mm-hmm. the free mm-hmm. and the paid list. It was in the paid mm-hmm. list. Um, I actually have no idea how much it is at the moment, but when I bought it, I'm pretty sure it was a dollar fifty. So it's like the best dollar fifty you'll ever spend. Uh, I hope they've up the price <laughs> since then, and I can't see it because my app store just says open. But it's yeah, two ninety nine now. Okay, cool. So they have doubled the price. That's good. Mm-hmm. It's a step in the right direction. Is that two ninety nine Australian? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yes, they've doubled Wait, it. Wait, is, it is the number one weather app in Australia Yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah it's always cool. in the top charts. It does pretty well. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Um, and they do not have uh, privacy nutrition labels yet, so no. who knows what, what that will discover. <laughs> <laughs> Where's all that location data going? Yeah. Um, I think I've actually got it set so that it doesn't update in the background, and so I just, if I move to a new location, I have to open the app, and it will 
then sort of recalibrate because like yeah the, the preciseness of where i'm going doesn't really matter but um it's always funny then if you travel when we could travel and you know you you land in california and it's like rain in 20 <laughs> minutes like no thanks rain parrot um not very fitting uh, right now but anyway which which california has rain in 20 minutes <laughs> it, well exactly it's uh it's not uh it doesn't work there, but broken. it's still stuck in my sydney airport location <laughs> or whatever all right cool Marlon, what's your pick? Um, all right. So my pick this week um, is something that I've been using when preparing talks and also uh, when updating our websites, um, because uh, I want to write a lot of like simple sentences that are like, okay, I'm just going to say what it is. Um, <laughs> my pick is called uh, Title Case, um, which is a website where you can paste in a text label or like a, a piece of text a string basically uh, and then get to get the formatting uh, depending on how you want to format it so if you want to have a title case a sentence case it's going to format that for you mm-hmm. um, and that's really neat because um, I don't know about you guys but I think like uh, I often like don't remember which words and what the rules are around which words in a sentence that should be uppercased uh, if you want to write a title um, if you want to have a title case sentence um, and I've been using that a lot for like talks. So if I write a talk and I want to have a headline on the page um, or on my slide, I run it through title case so that I make sure that like if I have a the in the word, that's going to be lowercase and not uh, an uppercase T, but also all the other words that should be uppercase, um, where the first that should be uppercase will be uppercase. Mm. So they have like different We formatting. use it for this podcast uh, for mm. title nice. every week. Mm. Uh, yeah, really neat, really neat. Uh, I think in general, when you're preparing talks, it's great to just like run your text through things like gram- grammar checks and like spelling checks and title case checking is also really helpful because I think it's something that can like stick out to people otherwise. So it's nice to, um, fix that up. Mm. Mm. And the same for websites. Yeah, it's very simple, very straightforward. You just paste the string that you want and then you get, uh, a lot of different, um, you get both, um, title casing. AP style title case. Um, yeah, or uppercase, which is obvious. We use, um, it's, it's more about consistency, right? Yeah. I, I don't really care too much, um, about the specifics of title case. I, I just want it to be consistent. And just using title case just means you're uh, extremely consistent because mm. you make a machine make the decision for you. Exactly. I also just learned that they have a light mode, which, I didn't know about. Oh, I didn't know that either. Really? Yeah, so that's that's pretty nice. Mm-hmm. So you knew, know how it, there's a home button on top, and mm. next to it is this. <gasps> there's a, a square. Oh, it's a square. Oh, that's a square. So it's light. Oh, oh. Uh, I don't like it in light mode. <laughs> I like it so much better in light mode. I'm not a I'm not a dark mode on the Mac person. Uh, Same. Mm. That so is a I, very confusing interface for light and dark mode. I never would have thought to click mm. it. No, me neither. The, the usual one is just like the moon and the mm. sun type of thing. Mm. That, that's kind of the, the universal it, idea. Yeah, or it does it automatically for yeah, you. Like uh, timeinorbit.com. If, you, mm. if you're in dark mode, we'll show you a dark website. If you go in light nice. mode, you Interestingly, uh, by visiting titlecase.com, uh, it's the first time I've seen the little translate icon next to the in the uh, nav bar of Safari. Um, oh. I don't think there's anything to translate on here, but for some reason, Safari thinks this page should be translated to English. So, oh. What does it think the, <laughs> the um, language is? I don't know. It says, enable translations, beta, the address and contents yeah, yeah. of this web page will be sent to Apple. So I'm going to enable. Yeah, oh, it just... What did it do? Uh, it, view original. It removed the title case. Oh, That's super funny. yeah. <laughs> That's uh, so good. That is... Like, they're not writing proper English. <laughs> <laughs> that is oh, so wow. weird. All they do is get rid of the title case. Oh, you know, amazing. Enter text below in mm-hmm. title case and mm-hmm. turns into a sentence oh, case. So cool. 
Thanks, Apple. You really got the <laughs> got a point of this website. <laughs> well, good pick. Mm. Um, my pick is I I, I kind of didn't have anything. So it's Stadia. Um, oh, haven't you picked this already? Surprisingly, not. Apparently, really? uh, I I did did search and I couldn't find it. So Stadia, game streaming service. If you want to play games uh, and you don't want to maintain updates or you don't want to set anything up, it's super simple. It's like you go. Either if you have a Chromecast or trying to control it, I mean, that makes it a bit more complicated. But if you're you're just on your computer, go to Stadia.com in your Chrome browser, uh, buy the game you want, click the play button, and you're playing it. There's no, you don't have to do any updates, no maintenance. We have super fast fiber gigabit uh, line here. We have, we have four milliseconds away from, from Google's data center. So we're in yeah, a really yeah, good spot. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so your your experience m- might vary, but for me, it, it runs in 4K on my 5K iMac, which is close enough to... I mean, it, it's super close to, to like a native resolution. For, for most games, you probably won't notice a big difference. It's just playing and it's fast and it's fun. Uh, and it's playing, it's fast, it's fun. That's the, that's the new slogan. <laughs> yeah. you, you and your marketing. Company. Yeah, I know. Amazing. Um, and considering that we're not having a lot of time to play right now, I do appreciate not having to maintain it. So it's like sometimes when I'm like stuck somewhere, I might just play a round of tri- Trials Rising or, or something for like 15 minutes. And it's just you, you're never in a situation where it's like you, you have to run through those updates or your drivers are not up to date or something weird is happening. You, you just go there, you hit play, you play 15 minutes and you put it away. Hmm. And it's, it's really, really good for that. I, hmm. I do like that a lot. And I've seen a lot of people now using it actually during the weird times we're in because they also have a lot of like social games like hmm. Monopoly and those kind of things. And it's, it's, I mean, I think, Zach, you've been through that a while ago where people had yeah. played weird free versions of Monopoly that were full full of kind of weird yeah. stuff. Yeah, I don't remember if we spoke about it, but I ended up buying them all the iOS version. Yeah. Just like, just play the freaking good one. Yeah. <laughs> but for those kind of things, like, especially for people that might, not especially, but also for people who might otherwise not want to play, but they're not playing mobile games at the moment because they're home, this is a nice way of, of like, just buying the one game you want to play, and then if that's all you ever play on there, that's fine too, and you don't need to do anything with it. So I, mm. I, I, I think as long as people have good internet, it's a really, really nice way of of doing that. If you're super into like game performance and optimization and changing settings and and uh, tweaking your 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 GPU and overclocking, then it's not the right thing. But if you're if you're after playing a game. Yeah, I think it's a really cool service. And also from a technology perspective, it's just kind of fun to, to think about what's happening, right? That you're actually sending an input to a data center that actually renders everything that's <laughs> happening on the screen, then uh, compresses the image signal and sends it back to you and your display displays it. It's I find it's fun to play just because I know how much process processing is happening there <laughs> I, I don't know uh, it's, yeah. it, it kind of feels to me like how you feel about 5g where like mm-hmm. i don't need mm-hmm. it you don't need but it I, but it's fun <laughs> it's fun yeah. that 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 it's there it's, it's that, an interesting technical issue yeah, yeah. it's, like, yeah. it's, it's fun to see that. the, the 5g <laughs> speed test i feel like a game to me becomes more fun when i know it does interesting yeah. technological <laughs> steps to achieve <laughs> what's happening we also played it. Uh, we also used the multiplayer functionality. Mm. We played a few. Uh, we played Borderland um, together with Adam, and mm. it works really well to play to play multiplayer and uh, like uh, video chat. Uh, sorry, audio chat works really well as well. I mean, we did have some hiccups with some controllers in the beginning. I mean, software might have bugs, but mm. uh, overall, <laughs> it's, never. It's, I, I, I've had a. 
I don't think I've had a single bad component to that experience yet. I haven't had any like glitches or freezes or anything weird. Like even compared to like traditional game system, right there, there are sometimes weird things, but it's, it's been pretty super solid. Cool. Mm. Excellent. Cool. (laughs) I should stop recording before I say something and embarrass myself (laughs) (laughs) and make another weird noise. I think I'm about one hour and 23 minutes over that.